So as we just said, this is now our second week in these two messages about Bible reading and prayer in 2022. And last week we talked about reading the Bible, and we saw just two reasons to read the Bible in 2022. And the first reason was for our belief, for our belief, meaning we read the Bible so that we may keep believing and trusting God, trusting Jesus. And then second, last week, we saw we read the Bible for our life, our life, meaning so that we may experience more of the life that we have in Jesus. And then finally, last week, we ended by applying all of that and talking about, for a good amount of time, our read through the Bible plan that we're offering this year as a church. And on this, I know it's the middle of January, but it's definitely not too late to join us. About 15 people are already signed up and doing this, which is great, and, but there are still some booklets um, just like this, and a sign up in the foyer if you'd love to join us reading through the Bible this year. But that was last week and on reading the Bible. That brings us to this week where we will talk about prayer. And what we'll do this morning is we'll just look at these two pretty famous parables that Jesus told in Luke chapter 18. And if you know these, you you probably know that these are parables that are usually talked about and taught separately. And to be honest, as I was planning for this message, I was planning on only teaching that first parable there about the persistent widow and prayer. But then as as I was studying that, I started to see that these two parables are clearly connected. And it's not just that they happen to be after one another, but it's because, as one commentator simply put it, quote, these are two parables about prayer, about prayer. And that's why we'll be looking at them both this morning, because since they're both parables that are ultimately about prayer, the hope is that by paying attention to what Jesus says to us here, we can be really helped to pray in 2022. And so with that said, as for how we'll go through the parables as a sort of outline for our time this morning, we'll simply have two sections, two sections. And to summarize these sections, you can see the sermon title on the back of your bulletin this morning, where the hope is for myself and for all of us here, it's that because of these two passages, we may go forth from here praying with gospel persistence in 2022. Gospel persistence. And, and we'll see what we mean by that as time goes on. But that in a nutshell, and those two words, are a summary of our two sections this morning. Because first, we'll actually start in the second parable here, and we'll see the importance of this idea of the gospel in gospel persistence. And then second, we'll actually then go look at the first parable, and we'll see what we mean by gospel persistence in prayer. And we'll do it all once again with the goal of helping us pray more and perhaps maybe praying a little differently this year. That does bring us to our first section. And again, here we'll see what we mean by the word gospel and praying with gospel persistence. And remember, the word gospel just means good news in the Bible. And so in this section, we will be talking about the essential good news, the message of Christianity. And again, for this, we will be in that second parable in verses 9 through 14, which is often called the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And on this parable, this is one of the most famous parables Jesus ever told. And it is so because of what it shows us about the gospel. But the reason I wanted to include this morning again is because this is a message about prayer. And as you'll see, this isn't a parable just about the gospel. But if you want to get most specific, this is a parable about how those who truly know the gospel pray. Now, on the flip side, it's also a parable 
about how those who don't truly know the gospel pray. And to see this, we'll start with just verse 9, because here in verse 9, the inspired author Luke gives us insight into why Jesus is being told this parable. So look down in your Bibles, verse 9. He, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So as you can see, the Bible's clear. This parable was told to some who, quote, trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And so there's two things there, the first being the most important with the second being the result. The first is that people trusted in themselves that they were righteous, meaning they relied on who they were and what they had done. And then second, what that led to essentially was pride. And so that's what this parable apparently is going to address. But then what's really interesting is is hearing that the purpose of this parable, we might then assume that what's to come is a story about a a typical worldly person, a typical maybe atheistic person or anti-God type of person who has all these worldly ambitions and pursuits. And we might think that because often when we think of the typical person who trusts in themselves, that's the type of person we think of. But Jesus surprises us Because as we'll see, the person who symbolizes those who trust in themselves, according to Jesus in this parable, is a person who appears godly. A person who seems to be close to God. And even a person who prays with thanksgiving to God. Well, on the other hand, the truly saved person, as we're going to see in this parable, is the sinner. And the one who stands far off from God. And so so that's the purpose of this parable. But now let's read the bulk of the parable in verses 10 through 13. 10 through 13. So 10 through 13. So look down in your Bibles, Luke 18, 10 through 13. Jesus says, Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So in this parable, we hear two different prayers, and more importantly, we're really introduced to two different prayers, right? two different types of people. And the first person is the person trusting in themselves, And for a really quick application for all of us here in church this morning, this honestly should be a reason to examine ourselves, to be a bit introspective here as we hear about this first person. Because notice, this man that Jesus says is trusting in himself does not appear maybe at first to be. Instead, he he comes off very pious and even thankful to God because because notice verse 11, first, he is said, quote, to pray, which is just the most typical word for prayer in the New Testament, meaning he's trying to talk to God. And then second, that same verse 11, notice how he starts his prayer. God, I thank you, which would appear to be the right frame of heart and mind. And then finally, in the rest of verse 11 and 12, notice that some of what he prays about sounds like really good stuff. It sounds like holiness. 
Because concerning avoiding sin, he says things like, he isn't an extortioner, he isn't unjust, he isn't an adulterer, all of which are really good things. And then concerning obedience, he says he fasts and he gives tithes of everything he gets, also good things. And so the point is, on the face of it, a lot of that sounds really great. And, And so to bring this home to us, perhaps that even may sound a little like how we sometimes pray. Or maybe more commonly, at least, how we sometimes think about ourselves, thinking thoughts like, I'm a decent person, and, and thank you, God, for all you've done in my life, and, and thank, that, thank you that I'm not like that, and thank you that you've enabled me to be holy here and obedient there. And so hearing that, we need to each examine ourselves, because as we know, Jesus' point here in talking about this first prayer is not to commend that prayer but instead to firmly condemn that type of prayer and prayer. And again, why is that? What's really so wrong with what's going on here? Well, remember verse 9. It's because even though this person appears pious, even though he's using God's name, even though he says he's thankful to God, even though he's talking about obedience and holiness, ultimately Jesus says that this type of praying and this type of prayer in relation to God isn't trusting God. This isn't faith. Instead, it's trusting in yourself. And this can be seen when we look back closely at what this man actually thinks, especially in verse 11, because there in the midst of all this thankfulness to God and holiness and obedience, he also says that he's thankful that, quote, I'm not like other men. And then later on that he's not even like this tax collector. And that's pride. And what that then shows us is that, yes, this person comes off in many ways very spiritual, pious, prayerful, thankful, church-going. Use whatever adjective you like, but in reality, he's full of trusting in himself and pride. And on this, let's remember that the Pharisees were not disliked in their day. The Sadducees were the more typical religious people, but the Pharisees were the more respected, godly, and pious people that a lot of people looked up to. And again, that's why this parable should cause us to be so introspective in examining ourselves, because this means that this is really exactly the type of person who would go to church almost every single week. And this is exactly the type of person who especially look at the world and all the evil going on and say, man, that's so messed up. Thank you, God, that I'm not like them. And yet one last time, Jesus' point is clear that this is against Jesus' ways. This is against salvation. And why? Because this type of thinking is pride. And so it isn't trusting God for salvation. It's not trusting Jesus. It's trusting in yourself. And that means that even though he's praying, even with all that thanking God, even though that desire for holiness and obedience, this prayer and this prayer is anti-gospel in the end. Totally against the gospel. It's an anti-gospel, condemnable prayer and prayer. But that then leads us to the prayer that Jesus does commend in verse 13 and the prayer that he commends. And let's read that one last time as a reminder. This is famous, but verse 13 of Luke 18. But the tax collector, standing far off, far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
says, you know, this is a tax collector. Which remember, though, because it's so interesting, because we may be so used to hearing these stories about Jesus and, and knowing that Jesus spent time with tax collectors, what's really weird now is how we can all hear the word Pharisee and revolt and then hear the word tax collector and not. But again, it was the exact opposite in Jesus' day. The Pharisees were the church-going, godly-looking people that most people trusted and respected, while the tax collectors were so shameless that they chose a profession that sided with Rome, that, that, that made them extort their own people, and that by living like that, it made them wealthier than most people. And, and yet here, in Jesus' intentional story, there's a tax collector. And, and what's he doing well, he, he's standing far off, meaning he, he feels far from God. And then he, he, he feels like he can't even look up to God. And then finally, he just beats his chest, and all he says is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's it. And as for the similarities, like with the first man, this man's first word also is God. And then also for similarity, he is also praying and so those are minor similarities, but then when it comes to the actual content of the prayer and the prayer, it's totally different. <laughs> because while the first man might mention God and being thankful to God, essentially his prayer was mainly about who he was and what he did. But in contrast, this tax collector's prayer shows he knows he genuinely needs God. And so all he can really say without even looking up at God is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I'm sure you've heard that short prayer before, but, but just analyze it with me for just a second, because remember, this is a message about us praying in this year 2022, because all this man basically says here is just two simple things, two things. First, he asks for mercy, meaning he, 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 he knows that he's suffering, and God sees his suffering, and, and he's just asking for God to treat him better than he could ever deserve, because that's what mercy means. And then second, he understands and he explains why he needs such mercy. And it's because he knows he's, quote, a sinner. <laughs> and here's then the really important thing for us. The reason, therefore, for why this is so different than the first prayer and the first prayer is because this shows us that this tax collector praying like this isn't trusting in himself. <laughs> Because all he sees about himself and all he says to God is that he's a sinner in need of mercy. He knows he doesn't deserve anything good. He knows how he's been living his life. And he, and he knows he isn't that special or obedient or, or good. Instead, he's just a broken sinner. And so he doesn't trust in himself. I mean, he can't. What is there to trust in? Instead, what does he do? He genuinely trusts in God. He's a sinner. He knows he needs mercy. He knows he has nothing to offer. But without even physically looking up, with the eyes of his heart, if you will, he looks to God and he trusts him. And if the previous prayer in this parable was anti-gospel, now here we have a gospel prayer. Which is why Jesus then concludes the way he does in verse 14. So now for this, let's finish this first parable reading verse 14. Look down at your Bibles. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 
So Jesus is clear with his I tell you statement that he's teaching us here something important. And it's, quote, I tell you, this man, this disrespected, dishonorable, tax-collecting sinner went down to his house justified. Meaning this tax-collecting sinful man was right with God. But as for the other man, the respected, seemingly godly, and not like the world man, Jesus says, he wasn't justified. And then finally, to finish verse 14 off, you can see Jesus gives this one of his famous reversal teachings about humility and exaltation. And it's, and it's interesting that it's here at the end of this parable because this then shows us that this, in a way, in Jesus' mind, is a way to summarize the parable. Because on the, on the one hand, what was the man who was trusting in himself doing? Well, he was, even while praying, exalting himself. And then on the other hand, what was the tax collector doing? He was humbling himself. And so the point is clear. If you exalt yourself, which will lead you to trust in yourself, you will be humbled. But if you humble yourself in the gospel, which will lead you not to trust in yourself, but in God, because you know you can't trust in yourself, then ultimately you will be exalted. So that's the parable here in verses 9 through 14. And concerning our praying then, I hope you see that this is what we mean by that term gospel and this idea of praying with gospel persistence. We'll get to the persistence part in a minute. But what we see here is, is gospel praying. Because again, that's what this parable is about. It isn't just about the gospel itself, although it is, but specifically it's about how those who genuinely believe the gospel pray. And so how do we, how, how do those of us who genuinely know and love and trust Jesus pray? Something like, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which leads us, before we do move on to our, uh, the next parable, to two practical things that I think we can apply to ourselves in our praying. Just two practical things. And these are both ways that I hope we can pray the gospel more, pray more gospel prayers in 2022. And both of these are simply taken from Jesus' conclusion in verse 14. And the first way is seen again in how Jesus in verse 14 says that this tax collector goes down to his house justified. Because this shows us that this type of thinking and praying and this type of prayer is the one who's justified, who's right with God. And that's true for us too. And this means that practically part of what it would mean to pray gospel prayers would be us continually praying and remembering the reality of justification by faith. Right? Being right with God by faith alone. Because that's, that's true for us now and in the future. It's only that we're right with God because of faith of, alone and what Jesus did. And, and the, the reality is, we as Christians never move past this. That's why we need to keep praying this. And that's why the first Pharisee, what's going on with him is he either forgot that or he never learned that. And this scarily can happen to so-called Christians sometimes too, which is why I keep saying we need to each examine ourselves this morning. Because the truth is, many people, when they first come to know God, will say the right things and maybe even feel that, yes, they're saved by mercy and grace and not because of what they do. But then what's so scary is that after that, for years and sometimes even lifetimes, what can happen is that people can really try to personally relate to God by their own efforts. 
or by their own works and goodness, and so really by trusting in themselves. And again, this can happen to people who said they've been Christians for so long or maybe gone to church for years after years because remember how right that prayer sounds in so many ways. And so the only test really is to apply to ourselves what we've seen here in this parable. We need to ask ourselves, each one of us, do I really, deep in my bones, do I really believe I'm still a pitiful sinner? I mean, really, a sinner who has nothing to offer on my own but sin? Or do I now, after years of being a Christian or maybe a churchgoer, really see myself as better than others, just better than the world? And kind of, although I maybe never would say it out loud, do I kind of think I more deserve now to be on God's side? Because if it is the latter, brothers and sisters, and please be very careful, because again, Jesus' point here is not that this Pharisee is just wrong in how he prayed. Jesus' point is that this Pharisee doesn't actually know God. <laughs> he isn't justified. He isn't right with the living God. And so again, that's why we need to keep believing and praying justification by faith. Because we need to keep believing and knowing and being reminded of that our right standing with God isn't at all based on what we've done or what we're doing. No matter how far you've come in your Christian life and you're striving for holiness, no matter how much you've done in a place like church or anything like that. Instead, the gospel is that when we first become Christians and throughout all of our lives, the gospel is that we are right with God only based on what Jesus Christ has done Full stop. And so for us in our prayers, we need to keep praying that. And so that's the first application to pray more gospel prayers. But then the second way is Jesus' conclusion in the parable in verse 14. And we, it's that we pray more gospel prayers by intentionally humbling ourselves in prayer. By intentionally humbling ourselves in prayer. And this is, of course, connected to the idea of justification by faith alone, but it's a little more specific in reminding ourselves who we are. Because <laughs> the truth is, we're sinners. <laughs> and this is especially important in this context of this parable, because remember, the reason why the first man trusted in himself was because of his pride. And so we need to be so careful and frightened by pride within us. And so for us then, we not only need to just be reminded of justification by faith, but we need to tell ourselves over and over to God who we actually are. We're sinners. Not just believing that, but praying that like this tax collector does. And to be clear, praying like this, especially if we do so even every day, it, it, it's not going to depress us. That's not the point. Right? The world will try to tell us that us reminding ourselves that we're sinners will hurt us and depress us. That's not true. Instead, the reason this humility is so important is because this then realigns us to who we really are and our brokenness and need. And then more importantly, it's what keeps us looking not to ourselves, but to our God who loves sinners like us. And then the more we're like that, we're also more able to love as well. And so that's the gospel side of gospel persistence. And again, the point is that 
Every day, maybe, in our prayers, we need to be more like this tax collector here, thankful for God's mercy and justification by faith and remembering how low and sinful we are. Or just very simply, we need to remember and keep praying the gospel. But that then leads us to our second section where we'll talk about the persistence aspect of gospel persistence. And for this, we will be in that first parable in Luke 18, 1 through 8, about the persistent widow. And we could have done this the other way, showing persistence first and then talking about the gospel. But I think it's helpful to do it in this way, because if you want to think about it like this, the, the second parable shows us the foundation of what it really looks like to be right with God. And that leads to gospel-centered praying. But now in this parable about the persistent widow, we get a picture from Jesus, another picture from Jesus of how those who are truly right with God now pray, how we are to pray. And we know this because this is Jesus' concluding point on this parable in verse 7. So look at verse 7 really quickly before we read the parable because this is Jesus' concluding point in it. Jesus says in verse 7, And will not God give justice to his elect? Who cried to him day and night, will he delay long over them? And so specifically, the people Jesus has in mind here in this parable are God's elect. It's just a word that's used all in the New Testament and also in the Old Testament. It's just the word for chose. It's the people God chose, the same exact word in Greek. And so again, this means that this parable is for God's people and how we are to pray. But with that said, let's not just read the whole parable and then we'll break it down together. And for this, we're actually going to start in verse 2 because we'll come back to verse 1 in a bit and we'll read through the end of the parable in verse 8. So Luke 18, 2 through 8. He, Jesus said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So, so as you can see in this parable, there's two main characters. First in verse 2 is this, quote, judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And then second, coming up in verse 3, there's this widow. And so those are the two main characters. And then what happens, very clearly, is the widow needs justice for something. We're not exactly told what it is, but she has an adversary. But what's important for us in order to get this is that what she does is she then is persistent in asking the judge for it. She keeps coming to him. And you can see that specifically in verse 3. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to him. And so finally what happens as a result of her persistence is that the judge eventually in verse 5 gives her justice. But notice, Jesus is clear in verse 4 and 5 that this isn't because the judge has changed. It isn't because the judge now respects her or because the judge has started to fear God at all. Instead, the whole point of this parable is Jesus' point is clear that the judge answers her only because she kept on, kept on coming to him over and over to the point where the judge says almost comically in verse 5 that it started to beat me down. 
And so because of her persistence, he eventually grants her request. So that's the parable. And then it's Jesus who makes that conclusion in verses 6 through 8 that, and yet, this is an unrighteous judge. And so Jesus' point is, if this happens with an unrighteous judge like this, and then can you imagine how much God listens to his elect, to those whom he has chosen? Right? And it's this kind of argument that Jesus is using. We all feel it. And it may sound strange at first, because it is. I mean, comparing God to an unjust judge? But it's a, it's a how much greater type of argument. Right? And you can see this both with the picture of the unjust judge and with the picture of the widow, too. Because on the one hand, most importantly, God isn't an unjust judge. And so again, Jesus' point is that if this judge, this unjust judge, listens to the widow because of her persistence, then how much more will God, who is righteous, listen to his people when we are persistent? But then this same how much greater argument is used on the side of the widow, too, because with us, we aren't widows to God. Instead, as Jesus says, we're God's elect We're those whom God individually chose before the foundation of the world and we're adopted into God's very family. And so that's the argument and it should encourage us in our praying. If if this unrighteous judge will answer this widow because of her persistence, then how much more will our loving God answer us, his children, when we keep praying? And so the application then is simple. Therefore, keep on praying. (laughs) Keep on praying. No no matter how hard it is or feels, have faith and keep on praying. And that's why, by the way, I think Jesus ends the way he does in verse 8, asking that rhetorical kind of strange-sounding question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The answer we know from other places in the Bible is that yes, when he comes, he will. But I think Jesus is getting across the point that it takes faith to keep on in prayer. And so we as God's people who trust God, who have faith in Jesus, must and will keep praying. And that's then what we mean when we're saying here this morning that we should pray with gospel persistence. Because really, if you take these two parables together like they are next to each other here in Luke 18, we see these two huge things about prayer. First, that we have to continually think about and pray like this tax collector here in the second parable. And that's because the foundation of our relationship with God continually, the foundation of our praying to God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then also, as those who are saved in the gospel, how are we to pray? Well, this first parable here shows us that we should keep praying and keep praying and keep going on to God, being persistent in asking God for things. And specifically, on this idea of persistence here, as we had two practical takeaways for the gospel praying, I also think the Bible gives us two applications for persistence here, and they're both then in that verse one that we haven't read yet. So look down your Bible. This is also the purpose of the first parable, Luke 18, verse one. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So the first way to pray persistently, as you can see, and kind of by definition, is that we, quote, ought always to pray, which makes sense. And that word always could also be translated as at all times, which may be helpful to you, because this means that specifically the point is praying persistently means we know that there isn't a time that we can't or shouldn't pray. 
Instead, we are always to pray at all times, even when it's really hard work because we know our God wants to listen and answer us. And not only that, but we know that when we pray persistently in his time, he will answer us. So that's the first way to pray persistently, just praying at all times by definition. But then second, and perhaps a little more important or encouraging, as you can see, is that we pray persistently by, quote, and not losing heart. And it's, and it's here that Jesus shows us his, his tender shepherding heart because as Luke says in that first verse, this is the intended effect that Jesus was aiming at by telling this parable. Jesus isn't here teaching us his people about prayer just so that we may know more about prayer. Instead, Jesus apparently cares about our very hearts in our prayers. And he wants us to pray with encouragement, knowing that our God really wants to listen. Right? And knowing that and really believing that, the intended effect is that we be people who really keep on praying and don't lose heart. Because again, our God is not an unjust judge and we are not mere widows. And yet, if it worked in this story, then how much more is our loving God eager and willing to hear us? So that's what we mean by praying with gospel persistence. We pray like the tax collector, knowing we're sinners in need of mercy. And again, I know we're nailing this on the head, but to be so crystal clear, praying the gospel isn't something we just do when we first become Christians. (laughs) It is something we should include in our maybe daily prayers because the gospel is not just the way into Christianity, it is Christianity. But then second, we pray with gospel persistence as we keep on keeping on in prayer. Like the widow to the unjust judge again, but so much more. Because we're not widows and our God is not an unjust judge. And he loves to listen to us more than we know. And so now the big takeaway for us with all that said this morning is of course now to actually go and pray more like this this year. And and that again is why we're even doing these two messages to start off this new year. Because just like the Bible reading uh, message from last week, it's one thing to say that we're going to be people who go and read God's word more, but it's another thing to actually do it. Which is why, once again, I can't recommend enough, last time for you to join us in the Bible reading plans and sign up in the foyer. But similarly, on this idea of prayer too, our challenge now, after hearing these two parables from Luke 18 from Jesus, is now not just to be people who say, oh, that sounds nice, but instead who who now go and pray more like this this year. And as for some specifics on how, if it helps, just some quick things I do recommend if it helps maybe scheduling times of prayer, especially praying in the morning. And I do recommend praying out loud, as you've heard me probably say here at ECC before, but it changed my life, so I can't encourage you more to to do it. Just talk out loud as you pray, because that's how we often do talk to other people. And I especially do recommend praying with your Bible open, reading a verse or two and then using that to pray because if we don't do that, no wonder why it's really hard to pray for any amount of time because we never just give monologue talks. So to hear from God and then respond to him. And then finally, I do even recommend perhaps even trying to set a timer on your phone for 5, 10, 15, 20 or more minutes and then pray and that way you can have peace that you have just set aside that time for prayer and you're going to stay with God until that timer goes off. And of course, more could be said and use whatever helps so that you pray more this year. But one last time from God's word this morning, I also just encourage you, 
if it helps to keep this phrase gospel persistence in front of you as you pray in 2022. Not because it's something I taught or something that we went over here at ECC, but because it really is a summary of Jesus' two parables on prayer in Luke 18. And so church, let's pray more and pray more like this this year. Pray the gospel throughout this year, remembering that we are sinners always saved by grace. And let's be persistent in prayer, striving to pray, putting in the hard work because we know our God loves us and is longing to hear from us.